0: Hey, I'm Brian Hyatt. This is Rolling Stone Music Now. I have with me Jeffy Haza, and we're going to talk about Young Thug. Young Thug has a new album out called Punk. Jeff also got to spend some time with Young Thug in Atlanta for a Rolling Stone digital cover story. That was really great. You should check that out. It seemed like a good time to kind of look back at Young Thug's career, talk about this new album, talk about Jeff's experience there. I mean, but let's take a step back. And this is one of the most interesting careers, uh, not just in in hip hop over the last decade, but in you know pop music across the board. Take us back to kind of the start and maybe take us through some of his, his evolution.
1: Thug is someone who kind of emerged, not seemingly out of nowhere, but he emerged in this way that It wasn't as though he belonged to some sort of lineage, you know? And I think in hip-hop, you usually have stars come through other stars, right? Where it's like, oh, like, you're kind of associated with this thing going on, and then now you kind of pop off. With Thug, it was like the introduction of just, like, a completely new species into the game. You know, and this must have been around, what, 2013? 2012, 2011, when 1017 Thug came out? And, you know, that's, that's where we get the introduction of this, like, really, really crazy vocal register, right? And this, like, very, like, dynamic way of delivering both, you know, R&B-type singing and and really, really crazy wordplay when you really think about it and, like, dig into, like, the stuff he saying, And I think it, it didn't take long for him to really, really establish himself as, like, the only one doing what he was doing.
0: And a lot of that, early on, a lot of that was this sort of, rather than wordplay, almost soundplay. This almost abstract kind of thing he would do with sounds and words and stretching, and people have expended a lot of words of music criticism trying to uh, describe what it was he was doing that was so unique.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, I think that's what was so crazy, right? And it's like, it was guttural. It was, you know, it's like you could say he raps in, like, nonsense language or his own language. But, you know, it's like it's almost like Tolkien, right, where, like, Tolkien created an entire universe for Lord of the Rings, and it's like, there are artists who, who kind of, any you can go back into all sorts of genres where there are artists who really do have a certain, like, talent or skill at just really crafting something completely outside of the realm of what we, like, know to understand.
0: Well, it's a little bit of a, a paradigm shift, right? And I think the, the point you make that's really smart is that even though he's about 30, he feels like part of Gen Z rather than part of an older generation. He helped establish so much of what became sort of like modern rap. All these different artists have been pulling from him for a long time now.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that piece of the story uh, when I was writing it was really interesting because I just finished a different profile of this like Gen Z rap group, Surf Gang, out of New York. And I was talking to one of the members. Um, I think his name's Casper, and he's like, you know, very just quintessential. You know, if you thought of what a 22 year old rap star in this year looks like, you know, tattoos, very punkish, has a has a sort of pop punk sensibility going on. And one of the questions I asked them was like, oh, do you guys look up to any, you know, any rappers of the older generation, or any you know millennial rappers, Drake, anyone like that? And, you know, it's just like a resounding no. There's like 12 kids in the room and they're all like, hell no, we don't care about anybody else. It's like, the few, we're like doing our thing. And then the only exception everyone had to that was Young Thug. And it made me think like, oh yeah, out of every rapper in their late 20s, early 30s right now, and I'm thinking of, you know, Drake, Kendrick Lamar, J. Cole, super, super big rappers, millions and millions of streams, Platinum Records, etc. But when you think about like what, that cultural impact actually looks like, Young Thug is the only one currently that I think uh, from that generation that actually still matters to a lot of young people. And I thought that was a really fascinating part about his kind of trajectory.
0: Maybe one of the first songs I heard by him and the first song uh, a lot of people maybe heard was, was Stoner back in 2014, which kind of exemplified what he was doing early on. Stoner! My damn day.
1: Stoner! Stoner. I'm Stoner, I'm Stoner, I'm Stoner. I mean, Stoner was Stoner was a gigantic moment in hip hop. I feel like because it, it introduced a, a style of hook that I think really, really came to dominate rap music for you know the decade to follow. And it was also thug in, in this moment of understanding kind of his own power within the realm of pop. Because I think up to that point he was making just insanely dynamic and interesting music in a very kind of Atlanta rap context. You know, this is around the time that Gucci finds him and, you know, he's on 1017. He's kind of doing, he's in that lane pretty firmly and he's like the outsider genius of the Atlanta rap scene. And I think with Stoner, that was the moment that he became the outsider genius of mainstream music.
0: I think it was 2015 that the Rich Gang album came out.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think what stands out to me about that record and that kind of dynamic at that time more than the specific album itself. Cause it's not something that if I'm honest, I revisit a whole lot. There's a bunch of really good tracks off that for sure. But what's interesting there is it's like one of the first times that you see thug kind of find a like creative kindred spirit in a way. And I feel like more recently, right. It's like, you see that with him and some of the artists on YSL where it's like, you know, who he matches kind of that energetic interesting way of like looking at vocals you know thinking about the songs he does with gunna where it's like they both have this like untethered relationship to just like their voices where it's like it doesn't have to do anything normal it's like they can take it wherever they want and i think with his collaboration with rich gang i I feel like that was him kind of being like i have this universe i have the solar system that's the thug universe Who else can fit in that? Who else can be in that orbit? And that was an interesting thing for him to be able to do so early on.
0: You mentioned YSL, which is his label. Maybe as as a digression, just sort of explain what's been going on with that and who who the artists that you're uh, you're feeling on that label.
1: Yeah, yeah. So YSL is, you know, Young Stoner Life. I'm trying to remember exactly when the label was founded. I feel like it was around 2017 or 2018. 2016, Um, yeah. 2016. So, you know it's kind of the trajectory that we we've come to see and kind of recognize is quite familiar in hip hop where a rapper will get pretty big and, you know, get pretty successful. And then it turns into an entrepreneurial effort of how do I maintain kind of this legacy and this kind of thing that I've built and now have people under me. So, I mean, YSL, as far, as far as that goes, just in terms of, you know, record labels started by rappers, I think it's one of the more successful recent examples that we have, right. Where it's like, if you look at something like OVO Sound, there are some hits on there and there's some people doing really well, but I don't know that it has had the sort of, like, deep impact that YSL has had just in the past two years. The same goes for, you know, Kanye and the various versions of good music that we've seen, uh, J. Cole's Dreamville. It's like there's all, you know, everyone kind of does it, but I think Thug is, is really one of the few people who's done it really well. And, you know, just look at Slime Season 2. It's like everyone on it has something to offer. Fine Language, too, sorry. Right.
0: That was uh, one of his mixtapes that was heavily featured people from YSL, and it worked really well. Which leads us to, we'll go back to the discography in a second, but you know, one of the things that was evident in your story is his sort of uh, wider business ambitions. I think he said he wanted to be the richest black man in the world. You know, you read stories about him again from the early days, and people be like, "Oh, he's going to be dead in, in ten years." I mean, there was actually a story, a GQ story, someone, a friend predicted that, and I, I don't think so. <laughs> I think, that, I think that you're the trajectory. He, he. Uh, if I had to say which was more likely, I'd say that his, his, the ambition he expressed to you is is probably more likely. It seems like he's not just saying this. It seems like, you know, especially when you see how much success someone like Kanye has had outside of music, you can you could really see it.
1: Yeah, I mean I think, you know, he mentioned Kanye when I when we sat and spoke as like kind of like like the direction that he sees, you know, the future going, where it's like he you know, he takes this brand that he's doing, Spider, quite seriously. And I wouldn't be surprised if we saw like a significant fashion moment from him, like independently. I think, you know, Thug is someone who is not, even though he's a brilliant musician and literally told me that he's addicted to rapping, you know, I think he's just an artist. I think he's he's a genuinely creative person who is always going to be able to find ways to express his vision through any kind of medium. And I think what's really interesting as he gets more famous and as he gets bigger as an artist is what opportunities then will open up for him. I think even seeing him in, in the fashion context in the past few years makes so much sense where... You know, nowadays, rappers kind of introduce themselves through fashion, right? Where it's like they'll play a bunch of fashion shows before anyone's even heard an album. Whereas with Thug, you know, the fashion world didn't even realize how brilliant he was until he was already, you know, three mixtapes deep or something. So Thug is going to do whatever, he, whatever he's going to do. And I think it's it's really just a matter of how he makes it work and what it looks like.
0: And in 2016, speaking of fashion, he released his uh, "No, My Name Is Jeffrey" mixtape, and his name is Jeffrey. Um, Shout out to Jeffreys. He <laughs> he was wearing a, a now very famous dress on that cover, and five years later, <laughs> how, how do we look back at that dress moment?
1: Uh, well, it's funny, right? Because I feel like even in contemporary high fashion, like men in dresses is is very normalized at this point, or at least on its way to being, uh, you know, young thugs, a trend center. Uh, as he told me, he always knew that people were going to follow him. So, you know, on one hand, it's not very surprising that he was the first person to kind of publicly do something like that. On the other hand, it is really interesting because I think there's been so much speculation around his sexuality to the point where, you know, especially having spent time with him, it's like, there's nothing about him that suggests that he's hiding some sort of like secret sex life. Like he's very who he is and open about who he is. So for there to be as much uh confusion around his sexuality just based on the fact that he chose to, you know, dress a certain way on an album cover or just in general, I think says so much more about kind of the world that he was coming into versus himself, right? Where it's like people really weren't ready for Young Thug and he just didn't care.
0: Now Jeff, the the sort of current evolution of what Thug is doing is maybe it began with beautiful Thugger girls and all the guitars on there, and they even occasionally like almost country leanings, and just a, a more melodic new kind of experimentation. Is that where things started to shift in this current direction?
1: Yeah, I think Beautiful Thugger Girls, for one, is probably one of his more underrated projects. I think, as with so many things with Young Thug, people weren't ready at the time. Even though, to me, it's one of the most interesting rap projects in a long time. Solely based on its, like, ethos, right? Where it's like, we talked so much about Lil Nas X kind of tapping into country and tapping into pop, and here Young Thug was, several years earlier, doing the same thing. So, I do see this record as a lot of that energy kind of resurging and you know it's funny too because when i talked to thug two of his favorite songs actually had come off of beautiful thugger girls so you know in a lot of ways it's not terribly surprising that he would you know lean into that on his new record and when you listen to to punk you can clearly see that he's really stretching the bounds of what he does uh not so much you know treading new ground but i think he's he's leaning more into some of the projects or some of the ideas that two or three albums ago or mixtapes ago were the experimental songs, were the kind of, you know, one-off tracks that were kind of weird that got talked about. Whereas now I think he's ready to make a whole album full of that sound.
0: Speaking of his favorite songs, uh, one of them is from Jeffrey, and uh, it's Riri. And he sometimes, he names songs, I think, after artists that they end up reminding him of, and in this case, uh, Rihanna and Work. (laughs)
1: That was a funny one, too, because I think when he mentioned that track, it didn't immediately occur to me what it sounded like because it wasn't one that I listened to a bunch. So when I went back home and listened to it, it ended up being the only thing I played the entire time I'm, like, writing the article because it is a really, really interesting song, just, like, sonically. Like, he does so many things with his voice. He's clearly inspired by a Rihanna song but then takes it in this whole other realm. And then as a result, it's like you get this, like, you. it's like a, it's like a capsule from... The Brain of Young Thug, where it's like naming it RiRi, where it's like you, you can hear. The song sounds like hearing him listen to Rihanna and being inside of his brain. You know, like it's, it's like a real distillation of like his framework.
0: The fact that he sort of needs to curate... His own catalog for people, and you know the best way is just asking him, "What's your favorite songs?" Which not everyone gets the chance to do, which you did. But it, it would be very interesting to hear sort of an entire best of Pick by him, because, and the reason is he has released so much music. The only rap hero he ever acknowledged early on was Lil Wayne. That was sort of who he he picked as his sole influence, and of course Lil Wayne released that torrent of music in uh, in the two thousands. And, you know, I I think he's come close to that in his his way. There's, uh, you know, I think there's like, just since 2015, there's seven mixtapes, seven commercial mixtapes. And then between 2011 and 2015, there's like 10 or something. So there's just a ton of music. So besides Beautiful Thugger Girls, which you cited as one of the best, what else in the catalog, and Jeffrey's good, what, what else in the catalog is is uh, sort of essential, because it it is an, an overwhelming amount of music.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of his features are really worth going back and looking at, because I think there's so many nuggets in some of those features. I think of, like, the Drake song, Sacrifices, where he says, I'm a username, like, well, who is he? And just, like, just there you know he, he does that a lot on a few tracks where it's like he has these really incredible like turns of phrases that just stick with you. a name And then the other song that I always think about, uh good times, which i I think the name is either good time, there's gonna be good times, something along those lines. The Jamie XX feature from, I guess that was the summer of, must have been 2015. And it's got PopCon and Young Thug on it. And that to me was just such a crazy moment to like witness where I think there was like a Vogue video at one point that Thug was in with all these models and couture. And, you know, it's like here he is on a British electronic musician song making something that. To me will probably define Like an era of American pop music Right like that song Was so ubiquitous was so big And meant so much in so many different ways And it was all because of Thug You know the beat was kind of whatever but You know Thug's ability to kind of tap Into that even that lane And just create something totally different Is such a good example of what he does well Good times be some good times Man, we used to pull up and let them there's another drake one as well ice melts which i think is off of more life and that one is a, is a lot like riri in some ways in which you know it's it's him doing this like very dynamic thing with his voice where it's like uh i'm can't even i'm not gonna try to sing right now but you know go and listen to the song and it's like he like modulates in real time in a way that's like unreal
0: Peter, Hey, something, something. Up, something, something. Diamond, I yeah, you were talking about what the innova- about the innovations of Beautiful Thugger Girls. Maybe you could dig a little bit more into what into what changed precisely.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think with Beautiful Thugger Girls, you know, it's very similar to with Riri, where a lot of the music just feels like you are inside of his brain as he listens to something else, and like it's being translated in real time and with beautiful thugger girls it's like you know clearly he's taking after some country and acoustic vibes but it's coming out in this this distinctly you know young thug way and it's like it's almost like you're 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 hearing a memory right it's like you're you're listening to him remember hearing a country song and the result is a very dynamic version of hip hop like evidence of the malleability of rap music where, Oh yeah, you can rap over basically anything. And then also Thug is just, you know, he has a good voice. I think as much as, you know, a lot of commentary is around how much he like changes his voice and how many different weird things he can do with his voice. I think ultimately like the guy can sing. There are some songs on beautiful Tucker girls where you can really tell that he's just like at his heart, just a musician.
0: So, in the time you spent with him it was before punk came out but you you got to hear some of it in advance and you also kind of got a sense of his ambitions for the album and what he was thinking what was your sense of what he was doing because it it, you know both in your piece and other pieces it's like he used to be really really spontaneous in the studio a lot of these things would come almost like stream of consciousness but this was something he labored over in a lot of cases. He worked on this album for like a really long time, revised the songs. It's just a different kind of creation, and also the the lyrical focus is totally different. The vulnerability is different. Where was his head at as he was kind of making this album?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's very tied into the fact that he talked to me at all. You know, I think if you read most Young Doug interviews, right, it's like everyone has to end up writing around him because he's kind of unavailable. And, you know, in our conversation, you definitely got the sense that the pandemic had a big part in him realigning his own focus and kind of thinking more about, you know, maturity and growing up and, you know, being a father and kind of wanting to be more open with the world as a means of being more open with yourself. Um, so, you know, on that, on that front, you could definitely tell in the music that this is a different young thug. This is a young thug who has thought deeply about things for some time. But then on the flip side, you know, I didn't I wasn't privy to any of the recording process. And, I, you know, I talked to management and it didn't sound like, you know, he was sitting in the studio every single day nonstop. You know, I think a lot of the style of recording of him kind of being spontaneous it was maintained in this project. I think the difference is, you know, he really took his time here. You know, I think the first song die slow um, you know it started that one was recorded or the idea for it came out um, when he was on tour in like 2018 in Italy so it's one of those things where it's been years and years in the making with this project specifically and i think that's also why it's so long and things like that where you know a lot of these songs have been gestating for a long time i got
0: to tell you that you're right die die you on one sort of constant in in the profiles of him and you're going back, going back almost a decade now is gambling. He just will not stop gambling. I think a lot of people have tried to make a sort of musical metaphors with that. I don't know. I don't know how you see it.
1: Um, well, yeah. I mean, he he def- well, The first thing I asked him, you know, when we're sitting at the table and they are all kind of gambling. When I asked him what he likes about it, he was just like addiction, and that's when I asked him about rap music, and it was like for me, I was like, I wonder if there's a way to get him to start talking about music by just saying whether or not there's a similarity between, you know, the way he raps and the way he gambles. Uh, And then he ended up just saying he was addicted to both, which is fair. Um, But it's really, I mean, I don't know. It's an interesting thing. I've never really been around gambling a whole lot. So it was also just new to me in general. I don't even know how any of the card games work. But, you know, I think Young Thug is a risk taker. And I think that's how, you know, habits like that form where, there's a certain feeling associated with kind of defying odds and you know, who hasn't defied more odds than young thug. Right. So, you know, you see where it comes from and you can see how it plays into kind of the larger idea of who he is.
0: Something that I didn't know until I read in your story, although, I guess it was in a, a live stream that he had had some kind of like major drug related health scare sometime in the last year, but he wouldn't really, he didn't really elaborate on that when you tried to ask him about that, I guess.
1: Right. And, you know, there were so many moments in, the, in that interview where I would ask a question and then he would just like keep playing and then like five minutes would go by. So then it's like a clear indication of to move on. Um, but, you know, yeah, he, he did reveal during COVID, during a live stream about, you know, this health issue that he had. And, you know, it wasn't the first time I think he'd even posted on Instagram a year or so prior to that himself in a hospital bed and something about drugs. So. You know, these are things that, you know, he's consistently faced. I think with Thug, what is perhaps hopeful or inspiring is that out of any other artist or musician that you see kind of grapple with some of these issues, he seems to maintain a certain level of equanimity. Like as much as I've witnessed the man, you know, consume and witnessed him gamble and seen in videos and everything else, it would still shock me to this day if I ever saw, like, a TMZ, like, Young Thug just strung out somewhere. You know, he has a way of holding it together, and it's just, like, part of who he is.
0: The whole idea of punk, and there is some actual direct sort of pop punk influence on the album, he never really, other than the fact that he and Elton John know each other, noted punk artist uh, Elton John, you don't really hear a lot of specific, like, sort of rock references uh, or do you like? Where I, I don't know if he just has a because obviously these influences have come in, but it seems like just sort of the general idea of it rather than any specific. Or, or do you get anything specific from him as far as like where the guitars come from, where this the 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 punk idea itself comes from, where the pop punk comes from, anything?
1: <laughs> right, right. I mean, I think it's a it's a fascinating thing kind of going on within hip hop. In general right now, I think you saw it also with Playboy Cardi's album, which I mean, I guess he made more of an effort to kind of draw some sort of line between certain old punk acts and what he was doing. But I think in all of it, it's really just a, it's an ethos thing. And I think punk, the idea of punk is as, you know, pervasive in the public imagination as hip hop or as rap. Right. So it's like you can never have heard a rap song, but then have some general idea of what goes into rap culture and I think it's cool to see rappers flip that with punk where it's like, we don't really know that much about this music, but I want to kind of personify that in the same way. And then on the on the album itself. That's you know, pretty
0: funny, actually.
1: Right, right. <laughs> um, and then on the album itself, you know, yeah, there isn't a ton of like bracing guitars or anything like that. But I do think, you know, and when I asked him about the album in person, you know, it's it's so much more about a vibe, right? It's about being a punk. It's about what that means to him. Uh, and I do think there's a good deal of that on the record.
0: I love that meme, which I've seen before, like the the Young Thug Through the Eras fan art. What are some of your favorite eras, favorite kind of aesthetic moments for him over the years?
1: Uh, I mean, as far as, you know, musically, I think his debut was a huge achievement on a just sound level. Um, and I'm thinking of that's uh, so much fun. I think he achieved so much on that record that it's it's actually difficult for him even all these years later to match that level of, you know, breakthrough sound, you know, public opinion and public sound shifting production and just sonics that, that that record had, you know, so much fun is kind of what brought us this era of the YSL, you know, label taking over so much. It's like, that's where we were introduced to people like Gunna and stuff. And it's like just a shift. Like he really moved the culture with that album before that, you know, there's, I mean, there's just so much the barter six was an incredible record. Obviously. Um, that was another one that had just a tectonic effect on, on what people were doing in rap music. Um, so I feel like every few, every few records with the, you know, he does something that just completely changes the way everyone approaches rap.
0: It's also weird, like, his quote-unquote debut was, like, five years into his career. (laughs) It wasn't, like, to be clear, right? It's like... Because he built up to it with all these mixtapes. Jeff, I've always been interested in sort of young Thug and Future as sort of twin figures in in Atlanta. I sort of feel like Thug is, like, Funhouse mirror version of future or future's Batman and Young Thug is Joker. I don't know. I don't know quite how to, but they're similar and yet very different. They've also worked together and they're also friends, which is good. It felt like they could only be close friends or like intense rivals, and it's good that they're friends. But how do you kind of see their sort of artistic uh, juxtaposition?
1: Uh, yeah, I, li- I like the Batman Joker idea because I mean, in some ways, the Joker and Batman are friends. Um, but I think, you know, both of them have a, have a, at their core, a creative vision when it comes to music that is very unique and very different from what everyone else around them is doing. And, and also their trajectories are very similar. You know, future before he really popped off was doing this like weirdo, like very auto tune, crazy, emotional music that a very specific set of people loved and were obsessed with. And I think Thug had a very similar trajectory where, you know, he's prolific in this way. We're just putting out track after track after track. But it's hitting for a very specific audience that kind of gets it, knows what he's doing. And I think, you know, for both of them, over the years, as they rise in popularity and they become, you know, mainstream superstars, it's, it's nice to see them both kind of maintain that friendship with one another and also that creative energy of, Recognizing at the core what they're doing, as opposed to being changed, you know, once the success comes.
0: It's a good point about future. Something like uh, Tony Montana, like the early future stuff, was was much weirder
1: uh, mm-hmm.
0: than the, than the later stuff. I think they were maybe more similar early on, and then kind of diverged. It's just it's interesting. I think at the same time, Thug was always like more in the stratosphere, like more unhinged, more wild. Another comparison that's interesting to me just when you're talking about Atlanta is is the Migos uh, because they've – they really just kind of stayed in their lane. They haven't had this sort of evolution that someone like Thug has. And and it does seem like possibly, you know, he's kind of outlasting them in some ways.
1: Yeah, I mean I think that's a pretty fair assessment. And I think, you know, the Migos might have different priorities in terms of what they are interested in maintaining in terms of their careers or – you know, in terms of what success even looks like for them, because, you know, it's like the with Migos, it was always kind of fun. They tapped into something, especially in terms of a group dynamic between them. But you never really got the sense that they were trying to necessarily push boundaries or sounds or anything. You know, it was like, these are guys who are just going to make some really fun songs.
0: That's right. And it wasn't It wasn't like there was some early promise of we're going to, you know, turn the musical world upside down. It was they've stayed consistent in a good way. It's, it's not like they've betrayed anything that they kind of promised early on.
1: Right, right. And I think, you know, in terms of their staying power musically, I think you're also right in that the flip side of that or kind of the, the dark side of being consistent in that, like, specific lane is that over time audiences do kind of grow tired or they grow overly familiar with what you have to offer. You know, Migos had a whole album come out not that long ago. And I, and I don't remember seeing that many people talk about it. And that's just kind of, that's kind of, you know, one of them is doing a show on HBO about streetwear now, you know, they've got other things going on. So I think that might be kind of the new trajectory for them where they kind of become more blanket level celebrities. Like I wouldn't be surprised if I see them in movies soon enough, but you know, with someone like Doug, I think the artistry and, and that intention around the music is what drives him. One of the things Doug told me is like, if I had as much money as I have now with a lawn care service, I'd have quit. I'd have retired by now. But he'll never retire from rapping. So I think, you know, that energy of like, it's not about achieving some new goal or new success. It's like this thing within him that has to create.
0: He must have heard Rick Ross tell you about landscaping, and that's where he, that's why he had, uh, <laughs> he, he had <laughs> this, the landscaping is the hot rap thing right now. But, I was weirdly I don't know why I was surprised but I was I, you should never be surprised when any successful musician uh, has this on their plate but when when I found out that he's going to do some acting for some reason that took me a little bit by surprise cuz I thought of him as such a, a you know such a pure creature of of studio creativity it's like oh wow no he's going to you know he can act too makes I guess on some level it makes total sense
1: right right i mean i'm, I'm very curious to see uh, how he does in this role in this in this upcoming movie you know he he had a few appearances on a DET show before this role that he's about to do. So, you know, he's familiar with what it takes to act. Um, And, you know, even going back to that Vogue video around uh, Good Time and, you know, the sort of dancing around and all the models and everything, you know, Young Thug is somebody who is very good at presentation. Like, he's very good at putting himself together and showing himself in a certain way. So, in some ways, it makes a lot of sense that he would kind of tap into acting. But, you know, we've seen a lot of hip-hop artists make that jump in the past, so it remains to be seen what it actually looks like.
0: I like when he told you, you just keep learning how to keep learning, which does explain why he's making musical progress, is he understands that, and to be honest, I didn't even get that from Future. I didn't get from Future that he's looking to kind of find some... Total new reinvention. I found that he was just looking for kind of like he he was looking to just keep moving, but not to like reinvent himself. And it feels like Thug has that thing that only some musical artists have across genres, where they're like, no, I I can't actually keep doing the same thing. You know, I I actually need to find something totally new every couple years at least.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, I think that that and you know, we could have a whole other episode about future because my. The hypothesis is that something derailed him a very public thing derailed him for years <laughs> uh but with thug you know i think you're totally right where
0: i i think i, I don't think he would argue with you about that but yeah <laughs> but, yeah
1: but you know with, with thug it's almost like nothing could possibly derail him because the only thing he is focused on is the art and is that vision and it's why i think you know we have all these stories about him being so spontaneous in the studio as well where if he needs to make a song, if he needs to make music, it doesn't matter if it's 1 p.m. or 3.30 in the morning, like that, it's going to come out of him. And it's that's just purely what has to happen. So I think with, with Thug, you know, it's not necessarily like he's a genuine artist versus not. But I think he's someone who the artistry holds, you know, primacy over everything else. And that can come with its own detriments and, you know, your personal life and things like that. But as far as the music goes, it's like it's always going to be chasing reinvention.
0: We should talk about his brother for a minute because that was one thing I, I didn't actually was pretty unaware of. Uh, his brother is an artist signed with YSL, and he he got him he got his brother out of out of prison when he was actually he had been sentenced to life.
1: Yeah, so his brother had been sentenced to life. I'm not sure the exact details on the case, but basically. They have been fighting the the case since 20, probably 2015 or 2016. And I think they've gone through multiple different lawyers. You know, there's so many small fees attached to fighting any sort of legal case, whether it's, you know, a traffic violation or, you know, a larger case. And I think with this one, it was a matter of persistence. And I think that's what really shines through when you kind of think about Thug. And when I talked to his brother, even, where, you know, you go through an appeal once and it takes forever and it doesn't necessarily pan out. Most people aren't just going to keep hammering at it, hammering at it. Um, but for him to kind of spend all of those years, all of the, you know, five, six years, pour- pouring thousands and thousands of dollars into the case, that's something else. You know, that's a level of determination that I don't think you see very often.
0: And it also goes to his sort of radical generosity it's almost like the stories you hear about Elvis Presley where he's like, here's a Cadillac. Like, he's, he's giving people cars and jewelry and, like, cash. He's-
1: yeah, I mean, I think the Elvis example is actually probably the most uh, compelling one. Like, I think if you were to compare Thug to anyone, I, w- I would think Elvis. Uh, I mean, I think just in, in so many ways, outside of Elvis's, the the troubling dynamic between Elvis and black musicians in which he was able to become famous and they were not. But I think, you know, in the in the same way that Elvis kind of introduced a completely different paradigm in the way we thought about pop culture, both musically and aesthetically, because he also was like a sex symbol in a time when we didn't really do sex symbols. You know, Thug has kind of done a very similar thing. You know, he reinvented the sound of hip hop in a lot of ways and also reinvented the way people present themselves as hip hop artists. So, you know, I think he's he's the same level of groundbreaking to me
0: maybe hit the topic of his influence again because it is like you, you do you do see it in, in what Playboy Card has been doing. You do you have heard it in what uh, Lily Zivert has been doing. But maybe expand on that a little bit about just how... You've seen his, you know, this is someone again who's, you know, he's still very much a, a going concern as an artist. But if he stopped now, his infu- his influence would be secure.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's infectious. I think what Thug is doing and what Thug makes is just it's naturally infectious and like intoxicating. Like you encounter it, you almost have to take some of it on because it's just so interesting and so different. Um, I think I think a really good example of Thug's influence happens in real time. On the track "Stressed" from from Punk, in which J Cole, you know, inter, you know the first line of his verse, it's like, okay, I recognize that voice. It's J Cole, and then halfway through, it's like Thug is rapping, and it's like to see on even on a track how impactful it is to just be next to Thug, and how you you know someone's rapping can almost like morph into that uh, was really interesting, and I think it, it really is a testament to just how. Compelling and dynamic and interesting an artist That
0: he is Two things, I mean, first of all we were talking about Beautiful Thugger Girls a bunch, but The the guitars on that ended up Being a big influence on Hip hop production for the past Few years, I mean, I think that that was a big place Where this real Guitar heavy thing started And you hear it everywhere, just everywhere in rap
1: Yeah, and I think Thug recognized something in that perhaps too soon. Um, You know, another story I just finished was uh, the Polo G cover recently. And, you know, his gigantic hit of the year, Rap Star, was riding on a ukulele melody. And in the same way, that song became a super big hit in, like, middle America, partially as a result, right, where it's like you have demographics that aren't really rap listeners but love a good guitar tune, love a good ukulele melody. And I think Thug was in some ways recognizing that early with Beautiful Thugger Girls and noticing that, oh, well, we can just get country fans to like listen to me and I'll do like country rap and, that'll, and it'll be cool. And, you know, knowing Thug, it's like, of course, it's going to be cool. And I think, you know, it, it seems as though it came from a desire or an, an instinct towards tapping into and connecting with new audiences and new, new types of people.
0: And like you said, that was also before uh, Old Town Road as well. So he was just kind of – he kind of is always a few years ahead of, you know, his earliest stuff. You hear him say like that – you hear him doing this sheesh thing, which is like mm-hmm. only now, nine years later, is like this – <laughs> whatever the fuck it is on TikTok <laughs> for like for for little white kids on TikTok, so it's just and he was doing that nine years ago, you know. So it's it's kind of wild. Yeah. Um, and then finally, just I mean, let's just to dig into punk just a little bit. I mean, what what are the kind of the highlights and maybe lowlights, if any, for you uh, of this album? Yes,
1: yeah, so, you know. So as I mentioned, I think "Stressed" with J Cole, and you know, I'm a I'm a publicly known not a big fan of J Cole. And for Thug to create a to make a track that literally made me a J. Cole fan overnight, I think that's a pretty big that's a pretty big achievement. Um,
0: <laughs> I'm, sure I'm sure J. Cole will be really flattered that now that he ma- he did he did a track where he sounds like Young Thug. Now you like him. <laughs> and I'm sure he'll be really delighted by that. But yeah, sorry, go on.
1: Um, and then you know, Icy Hot with Doja Cat was another one where you know. In the same way that I think Thug has this really good dynamic with Gunna, like another younger artist that shares so much of a sensibility with him, um, I think Doja Cat and Thug are two very interesting artists to pair together.
0: Spot, so warm, you
1: because you know, Doja Cat is also a kind of outsider, experimental, weirdo realm of hip-hop, And I think they have a really, really cool chemistry together. I thought the the Mac Miller track that comes at the end of the record is really is was just like you know every time Mac Miller's legacy is one that, unlike I think some other hip hop artists who've passed away tragically too soon, you know no one yet has done any post posthumous Mac Miller collaboration. That wasn't just perfectly tasteful and, and great and nice, and I'm sure it's a testament to just you know how well regarded he was among the rappers that he, he's collaborated with, but I really appreciated that on the on the end of the record. Since a kid I've been a that was I my diamonds, green, peace, port, Whoa, yeah. Bitch, talk, don't want yeah. Doug said that
0: the Mac recorded that the day before he died
1: yeah that they were together the day before and that you know it's just things like that where it's like you can almost feel that you know and it's like the track is called day before and it's like the whole the whole record is about kind of confronting your life in this kind of scope and of course to close with that is is really powerful to me i thought i thought hate the game was a track that i really enjoyed i mean that was one of the ones i got to hear before the album came out and i just remember thinking like wow he's really doing the like pop punk thing That's
0: cool.
1: You know, some of the things that I think we didn't need, the Post malone ASAP Rocky collab, Living It Up, I think they were aiming for a really big hit. Like, they really wanted that, like, global, you-hear-it-everywhere track. It just doesn't land. It doesn't land with that. It doesn't feel like that. It feels like the kind of thing that's almost, like, it flirts with cringy, you know what I mean? And then, yeah, I mean, and then as for the rest of the record. It's like, most of it is just, it's good. It's listenable. It's, it's doesn't, I'll, I'll run it through a few times, but there's no, this record is missing, I think, you know, a big moment. And I think that's what a lot of fans might be feeling a little disappointment with. And there's just too many songs, 20 songs.
0: So at the same time, it's one of those albums where it's like, Oh, I mean, he's, At this point, deep into his career, it's clear that there's a lot ahead, Uh, and you can kind of feel that, and I think you're you're probably still pretty curious about what we hear next from him.
1: Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, I think this record feels like a palate cleanser, even to the point of how long it is. It it almost feels like a brain dump of him being like, here's everything that I've got. Finally, it's out. No more thinking about it. You know, it's it's like turning in a really big piece, right, as a writer it's like finally you can kind of have mental space for something new and to to reimagine what else you're doing so i mean if anything this record opens the door for like a really interesting you know era for for young thug and i think that's that's the thing to look forward to now
0: jeff thanks so much for joining me yeah thank you so that was today's rolling stone music now be sure to check out jeffy haas's cover story on Young Sug for Rolling Stone and we'll be back next week here on SiriusXM's Volume. In the meantime, we are a podcast. Download us as a podcast. Subscribe to us as a podcast. Wherever you get your podcasts, please leave us a nice review on Apple Podcasts. That is truly appreciated. But as always, thanks for listening and we'll see you next week.